From the wilderness of Kodiak Island, Alaska, this is Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier with your host, Robin Bearfield. In a land full of peril and vicious animals, humans are the most dangerous predators of all. In December 2013, after police arrested Miranda Barber, 19, for the murder of Troy LaFerrara in Pennsylvania, Miranda told news reporters she had murdered between 22 and 100 people. She said she killed a few in North Carolina, Texas, and California, but she claimed most of the murders occurred in her home state of Alaska. Her statement startled law enforcement officials across the country, but they soon began to question her declarations. Was her claim of serial murders real, a cry for attention, or was she attempting to lay the foundation for an insanity defense? After the brutal killing of LaFerrara, though, few investigators doubted that Miranda could have killed before, and most believed if she hadn't been stopped, she would have killed again. What should we think, then? Is Miranda Barber a serial murderer, a pathological liar, or both? Welcome to Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. I'm your host, Robin Bearfield, and I'm broadcasting to you from the heart of the Kodiak National Wildlife Refuge on Kodiak Island in Alaska. While not an excuse for her criminal behavior, Miranda Barber experienced a rough start in life. Unfortunately, Miranda's childhood sexual abuse remains an all-too-familiar story in Alaska. According to the Rape Crisis Center in Anchorage, child sexual assault in Alaska ranks six times higher than the national average and 73% of these assaults are perpetrated by someone the child knows. In Miranda's case, her uncle abused her. As a young child, Miranda Dean lived with her family in North Pole, a small town near Fairbanks. When Miranda was three years old, her aunt and uncle, Melissa and Richard Fernandez, moved into their neighborhood and lived only five houses away from the Dean's home. Uncle Rick invited Miranda and her older sister to his house for frequent sleepovers, and Miranda's mother happily sent her daughters to spend the night with relatives where she thought they would be safe. After a few months, Miranda began to tell her mother that her anus and pee-pee hurt, but her parents ignored her complaints. The abuse continued for nearly a year until Miranda's older sister told her mother about the secrets of Uncle Rick. Miranda's parents felt betrayed and devastated when they realized someone they trusted had abused their daughters. The deans brought charges against Richard Fernandez, and at trial, the prosecutor said that Fernandez had sodomized four-year-old Miranda in every way possible. In Richard Fernandez's house, investigators found child pornography and a sexual abuse manual titled 
fun with my sister's kids. The book instructed uncles, fathers, and grandfathers on ways to engage in sex acts with their young nieces, daughters, and granddaughters. Fernandez pleaded no contest to the charges, and when sentencing him, the judge said this was one of the most physically extreme abuse cases he had ever seen. And these acts happened to a girl who was little older than a baby. The judge sentenced Fernandez to 19 years, but he was released after serving only nine years and four months. Fernandez could not stay away from child pornography, though, and continuously violated his parole, landing himself back in jail. Finally, in 2011, when investigators discovered hundreds of images of child pornography on Fernandez's computer, the judge sentenced him to prison for 40 years. While most victims of child sexual abuse do not become murderers, many do struggle with lasting psychological issues. Uncle Rick deeply affected Miranda, and she told one reporter it tormented her to know the justice system could repeatedly free a predator like Richard Fernandez after he brutally molested her and her sister. She said the legal system was supposed to guard children against people like Uncle Rick, but it failed to protect her. After the abuse by Uncle Rick, Miranda's parents moved the family several hundred miles south to the Wasilla and Palmer area of Alaska. Miranda and her sister attended school, but Miranda began to act out when she was only 12 years old. She started running away from home, and according to her, she joined a satanic cult, and even told her mother that she belonged to a 25-year-old cult member named Forrest. Miranda said the man owned her, and she had to do whatever he wanted. She claimed Forrest directed her to work as a prostitute. In a later interview, Miranda said that by the age of 10, she realized she had a dark side, and violent thoughts kept entering her mind. She had a little yellow pet bird named Henry, and even though she loved the bird, she killed it one night. She said, that was the first time I began to understand that something was broken inside me. I had this dark rage that was pushing to be released out into the world. Miranda became addicted to heroin and claimed she became pregnant and had to endure a brutal abortion by members of her satanic cult. When Miranda told her mother this news, her mother immediately took Miranda to a physician, but the doctor said he saw no sign of a recent pregnancy nor an abortion. According to friends and relatives, Miranda is a habitual liar so authorities find it difficult to separate fact from fiction when she talks. Miranda claims she committed her first murder when she was 13 years old. She said Forrest instructed her to lure a man into a dark alley with the promise of sex. Once he was in the alley, Forrest walked out of the shadows and shot him in the chest. But when the bullet didn't kill the man, Forrest put the gun in Miranda's hands and told her to shoot him. Miranda said she was afraid of the gun, so Forrest placed his hands over Miranda's hands on the weapon and helped her pull the trigger. 
To deal with Miranda's drug and behavioral problems, her parents placed her in North Star, an addiction and behavioral center in Anchorage. But the treatment didn't seem to help her. At age 17, Miranda got pregnant. She claimed the baby's father died, but Miranda's mother said Miranda did not know the identity of the baby's father. Around the same time Miranda discovered she was pregnant, her parents divorced and her father moved to Texas. Miranda moved to North Carolina to be near her mother. Although Miranda took her parents' divorce hard, she seemed more settled when she first arrived in North Carolina. She gave birth to a daughter she named Aria, and she doted on the little girl. Her life finally appeared to be on track. Then she met Elliot Barber, and everything changed. Let me take a break from the story so I can thank the good folks at the puzzle game app Best Fiends for sponsoring Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. I appreciate your support. June is maintenance month at our lodge, and this year we had to take our boat to town to have the bottom cleaned and painted and to have the vessel surveyed. A trip to town on our boat takes 10 to 12 hours, and we must travel through open ocean for half of the journey. I do not love long boat trips. They are either very boring or extremely stressful, depending on the weather. This year, though, I traveled with an entourage. I took my best fiends with me on the boat. When the sea conditions made me nervous, I let my husband worry about steering, and I found my phone and began playing Best Fiends. Luckily, I can play the game offline, so it fits my lifestyle, and the colorful insect characters and challenging puzzles focused my mind on something other than endless hours at sea. I've mentioned before how Best Fiends can both relax and stimulate my mind, but it also calms and distracts me. And even if you aren't on a boat in the North Pacific, I'm sure there are times when you would like to distract your mind from the noise around you. I suggest you gather a posse of Best Fiends to help you through those stressful moments. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Elliot Barber hails from a distinguished family in Coates, North Carolina. Amy Vaniel, his ex-girlfriend and the mother of his daughter, said Elliot was a great guy until March of 2013, when he swallowed two tablets of the drug ecstasy and lost his mind. Ecstasy is known to cause hallucinations, and according to Vaniel, Elliot's demeanor changed after he took the drug. She said he began to smoke marijuana and drink alcohol more often. He told Amy he used to have voices in his head, but the ecstasy chased them away. 
In June 2011, a pregnant Miranda Dean moved to Coates. Miranda and Amy Vaniel became friends, and Miranda began hanging out with Elliot and Amy. Vaniel later said Miranda was obsessed with sex, and she hated obese people. Both Miranda and Amy delivered babies in late 2011, but by March 2012, Vaniel said that she and Elliot began to argue constantly and decided to split. In June 2013, Elliot Barber and Miranda Dean became a couple. On October 22, 2013, Miranda Dean and Elliot Barber headed to Pennsylvania to visit Elliot's friends. On the way, the pair eloped in Lillington, North Carolina. Miranda drew Elliot into Satanism, and they later claimed they dreamed of murdering someone together. Miranda and Elliot moved in with a friend in Sellingsgrove, Pennsylvania, and Elliot said to make money, Miranda often hired herself out as an escort to men she met at various websites. She charged the men anywhere from $50 to $850 per hour. But Elliot insisted she did not engage in sexual contact with her clients. Elliot said, What she does is meet men who have broken marriages or have no one in their lives, and she meets with them and has delightful conversation. In November 2013, Miranda met Troy LaFerrara, 42, through a Craigslist ad she posted offering companionship in exchange for $100. Miranda admitted she promised LaFerrara sex in exchange for money. They met on November 11th in the parking lot of the Susquehanna Valley Mall in Sellinsgrove, Pennsylvania. LaFerrara climbed into Miranda's car, while Elliot hid under a blanket in the back seat. The pair had only been married three weeks. The date also marked the second anniversary of Miranda's parents' divorce, and it was also Elliot's 22nd birthday. Miranda drove a short distance to the town of Sunbury and found a secluded place to park. Elliot and Miranda hatched a simple plan. When Miranda said the code words, Did you see the stars tonight? Elliot would jump up, wrap a cord around LaFerrara's neck, and choke him to death. Miranda said she only murdered bad people, so she wanted to be fair and give LaFerrara a chance to live. Once LaFerrara got into her car, Miranda lied to the man and told him she had just turned 16 years old. She said if he'd done the right thing and refused to have sex with an underage girl, she would have spared his life. Instead, according to Miranda, the married LaFerrara told her it was okay, he still wanted to have sex with her. When LaFerrara slid his hand up Miranda's thigh, she said the code words. But when Elliot did not immediately pounce on the man, Miranda grabbed her knife and plunged it into LaFerrara's chest. Elliot held LaFerrara back with the cord while Miranda stabbed LaFerrara 20 times. Elliot said he wrapped the rope around the headrest and pulled the cord tight, choking the man. Miranda later told police that LaFerrara was still alive and gasping for breath while she and her husband drove around town looking for some place to dump his body. Miranda and Elliot finally dropped LaFerrara's body in a dimly lit alley 
and then drove to a store to purchase cleaning supplies to wipe the blood out of her car. Next, they went to the Red Robin restaurant for dinner, where Elliot said he ate the best hamburger of his life. Next, they drove to a strip club to celebrate Elliot's 22nd birthday. Miranda and Elliot failed to remove LaFerrara's cell phone from his pocket, and when police searched LaFerrara's body, they found the phone containing text messages between him and Miranda. When authorities brought Miranda in for questioning, she initially told them she stabbed LaFerrara because he molested her. She claimed her husband had nothing to do with the crime. When police questioned Elliot, he confessed to helping his wife murder LaFerrara and claimed they had conspired to murder a stranger together. Miranda and Elliot were charged with first-degree murder, but struck a deal to plead guilty to second-degree murder, a plea that would rule out the death penalty but carries a mandatory life sentence. The judge sentenced them to life in prison without the possibility of parole and said he believed their permanent removal from society was appropriate. After her arrest, Miranda sent a message to a local reporter from the Daily Item newspaper in Sunbury, Pennsylvania, and requested he come to the jail to interview her. What she told the reporter shocked him. 19-year-old Miranda Barber claimed she'd murdered between 22 and 100 individuals. She said she stopped counting when she reached 22, but she believed the number was under 100. According to her, she committed these murders when she was between the ages of 13 and 19, and she said she murdered individuals in Alaska, California, Texas, and North Carolina. She said most of the killings occurred in Alaska. Miranda said she only killed bad people, and she mostly murdered sexual predators. Her claim to only kill people who deserved to die earned her the nickname The Real Life Dexter. Dexter was the title character of the TV show Dexter on the Showtime cable network. The fictitious serial killer Dexter also only murdered people who deserved to die. Miranda said when she killed, she adopted a murderous alter ego she called Super Miranda, and she notched her favorite knife for each kill. Police took Miranda's claims of multiple murders seriously, and soon the FBI joined the investigation. Miranda volunteered to mark a map showing police where to find her victims, but she said she dismembered each victim so they would only find body parts. She said she dumped some of her Alaska victims in Big Lake near Wasilla. Alaska state troopers, as well as authorities in California, Texas, and North Carolina, doubt Miranda's claims of serial murder because they have no reports of missing persons in the areas where Miranda said she committed the crimes. Miranda's father sent a letter to the Daily Item saying, I don't believe her. There's no way. He said the only possible true story was the one Miranda reported about shooting the man in the alley in Alaska when she was 13 
because Miranda did run away from home during this period. After then, her dad said, they locked her in the house, so she did not have an opportunity to do any of the things she claimed she did. He said she spent very little time in California and Texas, and he accompanied her the entire time she stayed in those states. Miranda's father said, believe very little of what Miranda says. She has a long history of extreme manipulation and dishonesty. The Alaska State Troopers said they found no evidence to implicate Barber in any homicide committed in Alaska. Despite what Miranda's father said, Miranda must have had some freedom if she managed to get pregnant at age 17. But whether Miranda Dean Barber murdered anyone in Alaska remains an open question. There is no doubt, though, Miranda was a victim in Alaska. She suffered repeated brutal sexual assaults when she was only a small child. We'll never know if Miranda's life would have followed a different course had she enjoyed a normal childhood. I think Miranda's Uncle Rick likely colored her world and sent her down the dark, self-destructive path leading to the murder of Troy LaFerrara. Miranda believes her Uncle Rick created the monster inside her. It's always there, she said. Like her Uncle Rick, Miranda also became a sexual predator. She promised LaFerrara sex to lure him into her vehicle, and then she used his sexual advances as an excuse to stab him to death. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to my patrons for your support. Check out the show notes for more information on how you can support this podcast and unlock extra episodes by joining the Last Frontier Club. You can also search for this podcast on Patreon to learn more about the Last Frontier Club. I'll see you soon for the next episode of Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. Thank you.